Smith goes for the shot in the back of the net. Keep your eye on goal of the day. That's got to be a contender early on. Take the right for the shot. Oh my goodness me! And you, would, as a Crawley fan, begin to believe the three points are yours. It's the best night of Crawley Town's lives, and there may be more to come. Well, hello and welcome. Just in case you've forgotten, this is the Straight Red Podcast, and we're coming to you from two separate countries this time. We've got all the usuals. We'll have some feedback from you guys, transfer window updates, match information, Broadfield buzz, and of course, we'll finish off with some added time. Well, yes, hello and welcome to the Straight Red Podcast. And hello to you, Ewan. You're on the other end of a line. We're recording in our first ever virtual studio. We have, I've literally just posted a live photo on our Twitter. And yeah, do it, it's it's strange being able to see you, but not see you at the same time. And it's, do you know what, we're entering a new realm. It's the, it's the world of Zoom and things now, isn't it? So it feels actually fairly natural. I think if we said four months ago, the next podcast is gonna be sort of done online, um, I would have maybe questioned it, but here we are. You got you got to play the cards you're dealt, aren't you? Well, yes, very much so. And it's been quite a long time since our last podcast. Like you just mentioned, four months I think was the the last time we recorded together. What's been going on? How come it's taken so long? People are maybe maybe a little angry that we haven't. I, I, no, I think we have one major reason each. I now have a six month old, which is fairly unbelievable, and you um, are spending about ninety eight percent of your time. In Wales, yeah. I was genuinely surprised not to hear a little a little Welsh twang in your accent. <laughs> yes, um, I mean I could give it a shot, but you've already given me a, a good rendition of a Welsh accent. So, well, I mean, good is maybe debatable, but you've given me one. Yes, so I did mention in the intro that we're coming to you from two separate countries. Not as exotic as it sounds, but um, Wales <laughs> and England are, are where we're recording from today. Well, Ewan, apart from Aussie, what have you been up to over this lockdown period? Do you know what? I've, I've, I've tried to keep myself as busy as possible. I've been doing a lot of running. Um, and I've also been following a new account on Instagram quite closely. It's oh, called, what account's that? Yeah, it's called at John at Bakes. <laughs> J-A-T-B-A-K-E-S. Because you are, would you call yourself now officially a food Instagram influencer? I wouldn't use the influencer portion. <laughs> I don't think 100 followers or even still re- yet to reach 100 followers um, really classes me in the influencer category. But um... you, you, you're actually on 99. Don't don't <laughs> you don't know what it's on 99. If anybody can follow on Instagram, John at Bakes, um, he'd be over the moon to get over that 100 mark. But I've got to be honest, they look absolutely unbelievable. Thank you. It's very kind. And who, See, what who, shop, what bakeries are you going into to, into to take those photos? <laughs> yes, I mean, there's a few Pret items on there as well. <laughs> so uh, let's see if you can spot them. Um, but um, I, I might have to make a Crawley Town themed one at some point. Who knows? Um, we'll see where that goes. And you get it on the ballers menu, eh? <laughs> yes, that'll, that'll be pretty cool. I'm not the only one who's been busy during lockdown, though. You have uh, set up... Uh, a, a new company I hear as well. Yeah, yeah. I'll touch on it very briefly because it's not football related at all. But yeah, just been busy. Me and my brother set up a new business called Go Detailing. So if you like cleaning and polishing and detailing your car, go on godetailing.co.uk. Um, 
because we've spent a lot of money and a lot of time and I need to make some money off it now. <laughs> but no, we've had, we've had absolutely great fun doing it. Um, been thinking about it for years and years and years. But uh, yeah, no, it's uh, lockdown was just sort of like, ironically, the perfect time to do it because I had a little bit more spare time. So um, yeah, all going well. Even but, the, uh, lockdown hey, hey. can't contain the businessman inside of you. No, but people are here to hear us talk about football and Crawley Town. So shall we actually get into the podcast? Yes, let's do it. Let's dive in with some feedback. So really, really quickly, because it was so long ago, we're going to do a very, very quick feedback of episode 24, um, simply because you you sort of put the time together to give us a bit of feedback, so it's only fair that we give it uh, back reading them out. So thank you, first of all, just going to do a few. Andy Salmon, he said, excellent stuff as always, and thanks for the podcast this season. Nolly Sidiri. Uh, Barry Jones, thanks, Jonathan, you and another great podcast. Well done. Colin said, another great podcast. It's good to have you back. I'm working from home at the moment. Great distraction. Um, Hong Kong Paul said, I originally voted for a normal length podcast of 90 minutes, but it flew by. Outstanding work, guys. Everyone really appreciates what you do. That was relevant to um, before the last podcast. We put a post out saying, how long do you want it to be? 60, 90 or 90 plus minutes. We sort of settled on 90 eventually. This podcast is not going to be that long. All right. Um, two more. John Barnett said, really good listen, that guys. Thought your take on the season was spot on in terms of highs and lows. Squad update was very useful as well. Just the two mistakes this time. <laughs> um, yeah. He said, Cheltenham played Northampton in the playoffs and Gillingham's nickname is pronounced the Gills, not the Gills. So, thank you, John. We need John on the show as a live fact checker because he is the knowledge when it comes to Crawley. But my favourite bit of feedback came from Tim Knightley, and he said, cracking podco, lads. I think the um, uh, autocorrect uh, didn't do its job. So cracking podco. Thank you very much, Tim. And thanks, everybody. That was just a few that left messages. Really grateful. We do try our best. We know it's been a long time, but hopefully episode 25 um, can be just as good. And maybe we could have a dictionary corner type type position on the podcast where people can uh, tell us where we've factually factually gone wrong yeah i like them and, and um peter bellamy i should have looked for this i've not done as much research as i usually do he pointed out one or two things as well um it might have been on player contracts but yeah maybe maybe we do after the feedback we'll go and this is what we got wrong in episode x um <laughs> i haven't heard much of peter bellamy actually on twitter recently i didn't i'll be perfectly honest i've been so busy with the business and aussie my little boy um, and obviously got a day job as well. I haven't spent as much time on, on the on the straight red account as I usually would love to. Um, and we'll, we'll get into why a little bit later on the podcast as well. So we probably haven't been on top of as many conversations and feedback and comments going on as we usually would be throughout a, I'm going to call it a normal season. But uh, we're going to try and rectify that. We're going to, this is going to be the kickstart of the season, hopefully. I can't promise we're going to get back to one every fortnight as we try to do uh, like, sort of like last season. But this is now our third season of the podcast. So we're really proud of that. And we're going to try and keep it up as best we can. But it might, I think it's going to fall back to maybe a monthly podcast, depending on what Jonathan's location is in the UK. <laughs> well, shall we dive into some more football and uh, round up the transfer window, which ended but just last week? I think it's the perfect place to start because there's been a lot of outs, a lot of ins. 
And even if you are watching all the games and keeping in touch with the um, the Crawley Town website updates, I think it's very, very easy to lose track of who is in the squad at the moment, apart from the first 11, because it feels like we've got a squad of like 35, 40. We, there's so many names coming in and out. It seems like every other day for the last month or so, there's been a new signing or a, even a double signing last week as well. So I think a low down on who's out and who's in would be really a useful place to start. All right, well, the transfer window, the summer transfer window, kind of ended in autumn this year, Ewan. It's been offset by uh, the wonderful coronavirus that has uh, taken over this world and really swapped everything around, turned things on its head. So let's first of all go with um, players that have left Crawley. Uh, now, this might be either leaving for a fee, a free, a free agent. Uh, it could just be returning back to their parent club um, from their loan deal with us. So essentially they're players who are not in the squad anymore. So believe it or not, we did lose Moraes back uh, during this summer window. His season-long loan that he was on um, meant that he should have been coming back to Crawley, but it was uh, terminated by mutual agreement, unsurprisingly. Nathaniel George, he went to Southend. Sad to see him go, Ewan. Um, not as much as I thought I might be about six to nine months ago. I think he was sort of like on the edges of the squad anyway at the end, tail end of last season. And um, from what we heard in an interview by um, Joe Comper and Ergen Comia, I only watched it yesterday, um, but it seemed like he didn't want to be at the club anyway. So if, you, if somebody doesn't want to be at the club, off you go. Yeah, rightly so. And it, for me, I, I'm, I'm sad to see him go. But uh, yeah, like you say, if uh, the player doesn't want to be here, why keep him? Bezla Bala to Blackpool I'm, I'm more sad about Beds he was I thought he was doing well but an <coughs> undisclosed fee and a step up to League One you can only think good money yeah it, it's great for him and his service to the club we are obviously forever grateful scored some great goals really important player really sad to see him go but not surprised in the slightest a step up a league is everything what he deserved I feel um, whether he can keep up the sort of goal scoring ratio that he had in League One Obviously, to be seen, and we'll, we'll, we might be, maybe keep our eyes on that over the course of the next couple of podcasts as well. It's nice to see how players are doing once they leave Crawley. Um, but yeah, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he does fairly well in League One. Panuche Kamara to Plymouth. Now, the bit that gets me on this is they let him go on a free. Um, are you not bothered by this? I, I, Panuche is a guy that, you know, he's, he's a lovely, lovely guy. Over the course of his time with Crawley, he got better and better and better. I don't ever think he was that great. It was quite exciting to watch sometimes if he made a good run. He wasn't the best footballer in the world. Um, so, again, it's not a surprise to see him go. Because I think when, if you had scouts coming to watch him and he had a good game, you think, bloody hell, he's quite an exciting player. But I don't think he's ever going to set the world alight. So, I mean, I, I think there we've got equally good players that have come in to replace him. So, no, it's not a major concern whatsoever it's not like we've lost out on loads of goals seen him go um and again good luck to him lovely lovely guy going to play in a in a uh, a, a bigger club a, a better stadium it's it, good for him and I, I, he's a bit like best lapala really looking forward to seeing how he gets on yeah you make an interesting point there about uh the players coming in um and how that offsets maybe the the loss that we've had from this Van Velzen released, unsurprised by him. Didn't really make much of a, an impact on the squad, if I'm being brutally honest. 
Ibrahim Maite, he was released. He's been coming and going. I've kind of lost track. I was surprised he was still in the squad, really. Jimmy Smith, I mean, yeah, still, uh, I feel like the, the wounds have healed since we heard that news quite a while ago now. But he's officially off the books. Ollie Palmer, you sad to see him go? Um, uh, my, do you know what? When you say the name Ollie Palmer, my, my initial thought actually goes back to uh, last summer when he made that Instagram post, <laughs> pretty much sort of dissing the club, wanting to get away. I think it was safe then at the time. And, and I can't help it. That's just where my mind goes. So great player, lots of goals. And when you look at Oli Parmagon, Bezla Parmagon, Kamara gone, that is a really strong front trio. And together, Palmer and Labala scored over half our goals last season. So if, if you look at that, and if we're just looking at the out at the moment, you put those together and you think, oh, do you know what? One by one, I can see it. But when you put a collection of players like that together and they move on, you think somebody has got to step up and fill this gap. And like my heart goes to sort of Ashley, um, Ashley Nadison. You think, oh, maybe he can fill the gap. But obviously he can't do it on his own. We're going to come on to the players that are coming in shortly. And I'm less concerned than I would have been if you'd said to me at the end of last summer or at the end of last season, you said, by the way, these are the players that won't be here at the start of next season. I'd be like, Jesus Christ, what? who's going to replace them? But now we've four or five games in, we've seen the signings. It's a lot less of a concern, hopefully. Talking about gaps in the squad, the next two players that I've got on my list to have left, Jamie Sandals-White and Josh Duckers-Cogley, two uh, defensively minded players there. The defence area for Crawley in the first place had gaps in it. Losing two more defenders really started to ask some questions, didn't it? Yeah, and I, I liked both of those guys and it'd been great for them both to stay. Um, but again, this is going to sound awful, but Crawley isn't the club people dream of playing for. Um, and if there's bigger clubs to go through or just different clubs, but better opportunities, then it's no surprise to see players moving on. We've had this for the last four or five years. Um, every single summer, it seems to be a minimum. It feels that about 50% of our um, playing staff move on. So it, it's just what we have to accept. Um, yeah, great to have kept them. Uh, they've moved on. We won't keep our eye on them as much as we do the likes of Labala and Palmer Kamara. But uh, it's a natural saying. Anytime a player leaves the club, you do wish them well. Would loved it if they stayed um both of them but it's just the way it is and we'll move on to the ins again and hopefully there are solid replacements there yes yeah, so i've got it down as as 10 players officially off the books for crawley there I've it's a big number it, isn't it it's a it's a big number isn't it i'm sure john barnett will tell us we missed one <laughs> but it, 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 it is a big number but we've had more than that come in we've got a massive squad um so those players are gone We'll, we'll keep up to date on a few of them, how they're getting on. But uh, it, it's 2020, 2021. Let's have a look who's coming and, and only look forward. Yes, very much so. So the first player I've got on my list, in no particular order I'm going through these in, Tom McGill, goalkeeper, if you remember him, back on loan um, from Brighton uh, for a season. Uh, he looked fairly promising in the, in the warm-up sort of sessions that I saw him taking part in. I have personally never seen him play a game. I probably doubt he's actually played a game for Crawley dare I go and do you know what? yeah I remember at the end of last season when he was sort of like warming up in goal in front of us because we like we we sit um obviously in the um the press box which is in 
the home end where we're always warming up and he looks really good i might be wrong i'm sure he's played sort of um um if not friendlies like the efl cup or the um what am i thinking of the crappy trophy the one that we're out of this season that yeah well we lost yeah that thing yeah the sussex senior cup i think he's a great backup great backup to um uh glenn morris i think we it's about time now we do need a solid backup for Glenn Morris. I'd love him to do a Danny Bourne and play until he's 40, 41, 42, Glenn Morris. Um, but it's just sensible to have that young upcoming. And if we can turn that loan into a permanent deal, unlikely, I think. But uh, to, give, to give him some game time would be... Um, um, I'd really, be really keen to see that. Yes, so... Jake Hessenhaler is the next player I've got on my list. He's a midfielder. He's joined Crawley on a two-year deal. Then Tom Nichols, striker from Bristol Rovers on a one-year deal. Henry Burnett, a midfielder, free agent, I believe, uh, that Crawley got him on, on a one-year deal, released from Southend. And then Max Waters. Uh, I, this name's been bouncing around quite a lot, you, and I don't know if you've heard it as much as I've heard it. He's a striker, released from Doncaster, and he's joined Crawley on a one-year deal. And um, I think the fans are going to like him this season. I think the fans are already liking him. We're going to get on to um, a brief match overview shortly after this. Um, and already scoring goals. Looks exciting. I think it might be pronounced Watters. Um, but I have to have that confirmed because I was watching um, Talk of the Town, which I've got to say is bloody brilliant. And we will talk about it in Broadfield Post. It's brilliant. And I think it was... I think it was Travel Ken that I'd relate to him, or it might have been um, um, Joe Comper that said Watters. And I thought, oh, in my head, I've been saying Watters the whole time. But that's a tangent. Let's get back to the list. But I, I, I know somebody will tell us which is correct. Yes. And um, well, very aptly timed as well about pronunciation, because uh, the next player, apologies. <laughs> I think, in fact, John Yems, um, in one of his um, post-match uh, chats, said uh, about the pronunciation of this player. I'm going to go with it and uh, say Nicholas Sarula, a.k.a. Nick. I think that's spot on. Yeah, I think that's spot on. He's a fullback um, released from Brentford B and uh, he's joined Crawley on a one-year deal. I know uh, Erdem um, from some of the uh, videos that I've seen. He's particularly excited about um, fullback Nick and uh, his ability to get forward as well as his defensive mindset. So, yeah, I mean, I'll be keeping an eye on him. Um, Do you know what? I, 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 would, I would imagine Erdem's um, excited about everybody that he signs. <laughs> <laughs> and naturally so. You've got to be happy. You would be signing them if you weren't a little bit excited about them. Um, I actually thought you were going to say another player when you were saying about the pronunciation because we've got a couple of players that uh, are going to be a bit tricky when we get back to country eventually. Yes, my eye has just come across the player who I think you have in mind. <laughs> I shan't go there yet, though. Jake Hesketh is my next one. He was the uh, deadline day deal for Crawley, a midfielder from Southampton. Sees a long deal uh, for a, a loan move, of course. And he made his um, debut against Exeter in the, in the second half uh, not so long ago from when we uh, are recording this podcast. So, I mean, in terms of high-profile clubs, probably... The, the one player this window that's come from the highest profile club. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I'll be perfectly honest. I haven't done too much because I know you were doing the, um, the the transfers in and out. So I can't tell you how many appearances he's made for 
like the B team or the Under 21s, etc., etc. But he's even made a full Premier League appearance. Oh, I, see, I did not know that. I'm learning. I'm learning. No, uh, no. Well, well uh, kind of says it all, really, doesn't it? Is he just made the one though? Or... I think he's just made the one, and I wonder here whether it's just because Premier League clubs need to, you know, get get an appearance in for a player so that it ticks a box in a contract so that they can, you know, keep them. them that whatever. that is a that is a great point, and it could be, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, if, if if that's the case, then. You wouldn't even put him on the pitch if he couldn't do at least a bit of a job, would you? Not going to risk that. So, um, yeah, I look forward definitely to seeing um, Jake play a bit more. Sam Ashford, striker, He's his name's been around a bit as well. Um, he joined as a free agent from Hemel Hempstead on a two-year deal. Uh, then Sam Matthews, uh, central midfielder, free agent also, Bristol Rovers on a two-year deal. Zaid Al-Husseini, an attacker midfielder, also a free agent on a three-year deal. And then Tyler Frost, I think he was uh, also kind of a, a bigger name signing out of all of the bunch we've mentioned so far as well from the buzz I've sort of heard going around. Central midfielder, free agent and from Reading under 23s on a two-year deal. Then Archie Davis, a right back, free agent as well from Brighton under 23s on a two-year deal. Tony Craig, centre back. Free agent from Bristol Rovers on a two-year deal. Now he is a pretty experienced centre-back, Ewan. Um, so a lot of kind of, I suppose, wisdom that Crawley are hoping to to get from him uh, in on the back line by signing a player such as Tony. Well, as we mentioned, the players that have left, or, or maybe I don't like to call loan players that have left, but the players that aren't in the squad from last season, as you mentioned, there are gaps at the back, and you've still got the likes of Frank. Um, um, and McNerney in the squad, but uh, every every bit of experience is uh, is really important. If, if there's one place I don't, I I really like bringing in, as we've seen, we've done so well doing it. Obviously, uh, Erdem and, and the team have done well. Is bringing in maybe like non-league players, which I think is great in like midfield roles and striking roles because they can run with a lot of confidence. But if you're going to bring in defenders. I think that is the one place where you want some experience of players running at you and sort of like um, uh, maybe sort of trying to fend off bigger, bigger and stronger and faster players as well. Simon Kowalicic. Ah, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, I, I went in full on there. That, that was the player's name who we uh, were um, wondering yeah. whether we could pronounce. I mean, uh, I suppose we'll we'll wait for uh, the feedback as to whether we pronounce that right or not. Midfielder, he's uh, just turned 17, I believe, and he's wow. been training with Crawley since, I think, October last year, I I heard. Um, and I suppose he's been treated as Crawley as, as kind of a, a youth player, even though mm -hmm. Crawley don't have a youth academy. Um, mm -hmm. I think they're co going around uh, the uh, kind of structure of a football club a little bit differently. So no formal youth academy, but they're aiming to bring in youth players like Simon. He's got a three-year deal. And he's, um, I suppose, looking to try and break into the team. But uh, I suppose more there for the development at the moment. Do you know what? I think I think all of this... Is that all the players you've got? That's all the ones I had written down? Yes, that's all I have. So that's 14 Fine. in total coming in. It's, do you know what? And, and I think this is just sums up very nicely how Crawley... This is how we do business now. You mentioned free transfer so many times. Um, and young player there on three-year contract. And 
football is a business. We are a like a, a selling club as best we can. You bring in players on freeze and non-league and some experience where we can afford to on contracts. But essentially what we're doing is bringing players in, developing them and trying to get a fee for them later down the line. Um, because we, we do not have the biggest crowd. We've got no crowds at the moment, of course. There's no income whatsoever. So the, the big fees, if you can get them, the income is going to come other than from Joe and sponsorship, which has been doing great by all accounts on the on the quality town on the news pages. Um, you've got to do business with transfers. Um, and and we don't we don't spend money on players, but we get players in, develop them, sell them on. And that is a massive source of income for the club in the future as well as it has been the last couple of years. Well, they're the players who have joined and left. Shall we see how they've been getting on in the game so far this season? Let's have a little look at the match updates. So, Jonathan, let's have a look then. There's been a lot of games. We're not going to include friendlies in this and we're really going to rattle through this, to be honest. Um, one thing I will do before we get underway with the results so far and make any comment is when I make my notes for the podcast, I always use the previous podcast notes and delete where necessary and then add in the new bits, of course. Now, there was one line I left in here on the 12th of June, which was around about when we made our last podcast. I've got a note that said fans back in stadiums in September. It was live on Sky News. Oi, oi, oi. And there is no forecast whatsoever that we can currently um, sort of put any hopes and dreams into. I mean, will we get into a game this season? I've just got no idea. It's terribly, terribly sad. And I think a month ago there was a, maybe a trial game going to be run at Crawley, but then... Um, I don't know too much about the logistics, but I think the the email got to Crawley very late, so, and then someone didn't absolutely pick it up right in, yeah. in enough time, or, or there was mm. only two hours to turn it around, kind of thing. And yeah, opportunity uh, passed. Yeah, I think Erdem said something um, on the record. I think I think every I might be wrong, but I think every club got that record. It was just the first few that showed an interest and could put on at short notice, which I've no doubt Crawley could. Because we see quite often, I forget the guy's name that does the um, sort of the the security and things. But we've done quite well. I it appears on getting the documents in and being ready to bring fans back into the stadium, which is is great to see that. Um, but I, I don't think it happened anyway, so it, it was not too much of a loss. But uh, Chris but, Chris Hewlett, yes, absolutely right. Yes, yeah, so well done to Chris. All the work he's doing behind the scenes um, and getting that paperwork and documents done. So whenever we can go back. We're hopefully going to be in a really strong position to do it as soon as we are allowed to. But when that will be, God only knows. Um, I don't think it'll happen any time before Christmas. Um, the scientists say, of course, it comes back in the winter, blah, blah, blah. But ignore that. This is meant to be a positive podcast. Um, now, saying that, I've got to say, before we get into the games, I don't think I'm the only person. Um, I, I have not watched all the games so far. I haven't. I haven't I just had time with Aussie in the business. I haven't watched all the games live, unfortunately. And I think it's probably the first time in sort of like 10, 11 years now that I've been sort of watching Crawley almost every home game at least that I, I am genuinely finding it quite difficult to be really enthusiastic about making sure I'm watching the games and, and even looking forward to it and the build-up because... When you're not, when we go to a game, when we go to commentate and watch the matches, Jonathan, the the day for me 
starts at about maybe midday or so. It doesn't start at three o'clock on the dot when you press on iPlay, you press play and you watch a game with no fans in the stadium and no atmosphere. And it starts at about midday when I'm getting my sort of notes ready, getting the laptop in the car, um, traveling to the game. We're usually at the stadium for one o'clock, setting up in the press box and the atmosphere starts to build and people are talking, it's exciting and fans start to trickle in or you have conversation with fans as you're walking around the car park um, and it's that build up, build up, build up. So you've got like about three, four hours before you even get to three o'clock to get excited, let alone the week prior to the game or the days prior to the game or, or looking forward to it as one of those amazing Tuesday night fixtures. I, I cannot fabricate that emotion that I get when I'm going to and in the stadium before the match. So I'm finding it really difficult to get excited and emotionally attached to games and results and goals than I ever have done in the past. It's um, a very valid point you, you raise there, Ewan, actually, about the importance that a pre-match build-up has to a, to a fan's day. I'd be really interested to know um, of, the, of the listeners that have watched games online how have they found maybe just clicking on at 3 p.m. to watch the game? Has it been quite a sudden thing or have they had their own little pre-match rituals that they've started to do? Have and they... then, of course, you've got half time as well. So you have half time and you chat to the fans all sat around us and maybe in the press as well that we think are a pinch on the first half. Who should be subbed? Um, you're chatting about you, people are going away to get burgers and you've got the smell coming through. And it, it's it's a completely encompassing atmosphere that you cannot replicate sat in front of a laptop um, after the game, chatting about the game, the atmosphere after and seeing the fans stream out, get into the car, you're either happy or sad, you're hot or cold, whatever it might be. Usually cold if it's the board. Yeah, I, 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 I miss it dreadfully. I cannot wait to get back in the stadium um, because it, it is, it's, it's nowhere near the same. Um, and that's why talking about these matches is difficult to um, put a lot of feedback and information into them simply because I've not watched as much as I wanted to. Um, and even when you, when you are watching, without the atmosphere and the people around you to have a conversation with, you're literally just sat watching a screen. Um, it, it's, but that's where we are. So um, the matches so far that we've had. I'm going to go right back to our first competitive game, uh, Millwall, first round of the EFL Cup. Obviously, had the glorious year last year. Be love to lovely to repeat that. Um, but um, a Sam Ashford goal in the 33rd minute couldn't prevent a 3-1 loss at home to Millwall. Um, EFL Trophy, you know, this trophy thing. I don't think anybody cares too much. Um, lost at home to Gillingham 2-1. Then the league starts. Really disappointing start in the league across 2-0 loss. <coughs> Pardon me to Port Vale. Things pick up. Next game, Scunthorpe win 1-0. Nichols scores. Uh, next game, 3-2 away winner Oldham. Nadison, Frankham and Nichols on the score sheet. First win away, Jonathan, for what felt like a decade. It was more than a year. It felt longer. Um, but it's such a massive monkey off Crawley's back to get that away win. Unfortunately, not kicked it on yet, but it, it, almost like, it like wipes the slate clean a bit. Wipes the slate clean a bit that that's not on our record anymore. We can sort of move on from that. Um, and we, we nearly did it, of course, against Exeter. But it's just nice to know that it, it's not a, um, a, a complete curse 
that we can't win away from home. So great to get that away win. Then a draw versus Southend. Nanison scoring second game in a row. Really, really disappointing. Next is our 2 0 loss to Cheltenham. Um, watched that game. That was pretty poor, to be honest. And do, do you know what? Watching Crawley is, is um, full of highs and lows. And the first few games of the season encompassed that quite nicely because, you know, win through two, three, win, win, away, win away at Oldham, fantastic. Draw against Southend, not the end of the world. Then you do a terrible loss. Then you get this massive win at Morecambe coming up as well. And it's, I always find it quite um, entertaining and interesting looking online afterwards. And after every single game, it's at this early in the season, it's hard to get sort of um, an aggregate emotion for the season until you're about 10 or 15 games in maybe, because it's high, low, high, low, high, low. Um, and there has been plenty of that. Um, EFL Trophy, our second game in that loss to Arsenal under 21s. Really interesting to see Bullman and Young in charge uh, in the dugout, which I think is great for both of them. <coughs> Pardon me, not the first time Bullman's done it, but but lovely to see Young in the dugout as well. I'm not sure whether that was um, uh, who who's um, sort of. Um, if I'm uh, right I... in saying, I believe that Bullman's signed a, a sort of a player manager type yeah. contract this season, and I believe yeah. Young's got some sort of agreement in there as well that he's going to be developing his management skills as well. I think that would be absolutely wonderful, yeah. Yeah, wonderful for both of them, especially Bullman. Obviously, you've got, you've got a few more years on Young. Um, but I think Bullman's the type of guy that really inspires people and would be great in a dugout. Um, after that, 4-0 win versus Morecambe. Frankham on the score sheet again. Frost and Waters scores two goals after being a sub at half-time, which is pretty incredible. And then, unfortunately, that... After being 1-0 up with 20 minutes to go, that loss away at Exeter, which could have been two away wins in three games, wasn't to be. Um, and in Broadfield Buzz, we'll, we'll talk about the John Yems interview afterwards as well. So that puts us in the league table, at least. Do you know what? At half-time versus, I think it was the South End game, we were actually top of the league when we were 1-0 up, which was pretty nice. And even after the game, still in the playoffs. But currently, 12th in League 2. Uh, three wins, a draw, and three losses. Uh, ten points returned from the first seven games. Okay start to the season? Yeah, it's, it's probably a little early, like you said, e, to really kind of um, pull anything out from Crawley's season so far. But yeah, ten points from seven games, as long as it's more points than games played at this stage of the season, I think that's always a, a, a good place to be going. Um it's interesting as well to to see how Crawley are behaving around cups this season, um, without the you know the fan atmosphere that you can have in the stadium. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I, I doubt that anyone will really say this, but I wouldn't be surprised if Crawley just you know don't pay too much attention to the cups this year and just go for hell for leather on the league and try and get that um, promotion place to go up because they've pulled out of the Sussex Senior Trophy. I mean, it was it's not really a competition that Crawley really need to be in in the first place anyway. They're out of the, the League Cup. Realistically, are they out of the Football League Trophy already? Two games lost in that. I mean, they, they could get through still mathematically, but I, I don't know whether there would be much intention behind that. And then obviously you've got the FA Cup left, which will probably just be their, their cup that if they do you know, get a good run and a good lucky run and then fair enough. But I don't think they'll be particularly trying or hoping for it because no fans. 
I think the the one cup that is left, of course, is the important one, the FA Cup, and financially that can be an absolute goldmine as well. Even in the EFL Trophy, I, I'm sure back in my day when I was working at the club, it was it was ten grand for a win um, in the group games, which is a lot of money considering it's not a, a, a I'm going to say a great tournament. Um, but the FA Cup, of course, we want to do well in that one. There, there, I don't think there's any way on this earth with the squad size that we've got that we'd have any intention of not putting a really strong 11-8 um, for the FA Cup, especially as we're at the League Cup. Is it is it November's first round FA Cup, isn't it? I've yeah, I believe it's around that so much. stage of time. Yeah, um, and do you know what? In, it, it, it's third round of the FA Cup is the most exciting draw on the planet for me. Um, obviously, it's been very disappointing the last couple of times, and we've got anywhere near. Um, but... Uh, I have no doubt whatsoever that the FA Cup will be um, a, a priority in terms of the Cups. And just back to the league very quickly. 12th, mid-table. Um, I think after losing the opening game 2-0, you would have taken that. I think we can genuinely be disappointed that we're not a little bit higher, maybe not on 13 points, especially with Exeter um, and the Cheltenham and loss, and even the South End draw as well. Um, and maybe we could and should be high. I think I think most people would think we absolutely should be in that at least sort of top eight, um, if not in the top seven playoffs. So we, we've spent a, a good chunk of the first seven games, actually. Um, it's exciting to see us up there. No matter what season you go back to, we've been in this top, top seven a, a couple of times very briefly. I just want to see us sustain. If we, if we were in there for like a month or two, just sustain some pressure on that top seven um, and be seen as a club that is dangerous to play against. Because I don't think we've got that tag at all. People look at Crawley and they'll go, oh, definitely get at least a point there, whether it's home or away. Though our home record is absolutely incredible, but plenty of draws as well. Um, we're not a team that frightens anyone because we have been mid-table or lower for, for so, so long. And I, I'm just desperate to see a season where we can be for the entirety a real solid top ten, top 10 contender where people are happy to get a point against a club like us. Um, that, that would be um, a great, great season for me. You can't take too much. We're seven games in. We're not going to draw any conclusions or attempt to so far. Um, but what I can say, and I think what everybody would say, is um, pleasantly surprised and, and hopeful would be uh, my uh, word to use after the first seven. Yeah, very much so. And if we're being absolutely brutal, we probably would have to say that um, if Crawley are wanting the challenge for those promotion places, then they wouldn't be dropping the points that they've dropped so far this season. But, you know, like we've said, seven only seven games played this season. There's still a chance for them to turn things around and learn from the lessons if they can learn quickly. If it's just a repeat of what's happened so far, then maybe we'll be looking at another season in League Two. But Let's hope for uh, for the, the more positive version of that story. Now, I have got a really interesting stat here. Before we before we move on, have you got any other stats? Because I've got one that I just found on, on um, BBC. It's, it's accessible completely, but I just found it earlier. Because BBC this year have slightly changed the way they do the top scorers tabs um, on each club's pages. And I, I'm going to assume this is right. I was shocked when I saw it, but it's a brilliant stat. Max Waters is our, currently our top goal scorer. Watters. Um three goals right after playing two his current goals per 90 minutes is 2.67 because he only played a half of a game against um when he scored the two goals 
And I didn't realise he'd only been on a short amount of time for the other game um, as well. So minutes per goal is currently 34 minutes per goal. Um, imagine you can keep that up even for like six, seven games. That is incredible. Seven shots, um, goal conversion, 43%, 86% short accuracy. And the other one to take from that list, which is available, go and have a look on the BBC website. It's going to be nice to watch it develop. Um, Sam Ashford, one goal. He's got a 100% shot accuracy at the moment. One shot, one goal. Very nice. That would have been an absolute dream if we were still <laughs> commentating on, uh, on live games. <laughs> Okay, so that's the matches that have gone. Let's take a quick look at the matches left in this month of October, Ewan. Yeah, really quickly, because again, you just can't read too much into it. We've got three games coming up left in October, which is the 24th. We're away at Salford, then two home games on the Tuesday 27th and Saturday the 31st against Tranmere and Cambridge. Salford, that first away game currently in seventh place. Um, Tranmere in 17th and Cambridge currently top of the league could obviously change by the time we get to Saturday the 31st but um, Crawley two home games out of the next three doing so well at home you'd you'd predict maybe a win versus Tranmere and you might take a point against Cambridge that's four what you're going to get away at Salford who knows not be doing too, too fantastically well so I would say if we can get a draw against Salford and Cambridge and win the Tranmere game get five points out of the next three I think that would be an absolutely great return and maybe maybe the best we could hope for obviously can get better um as things go on but that would just maintain that top 10 push um and probably get us into the top 10 to be fair and here's to hoping that the Salford game still goes ahead because Manchester and their <gasps> and their covid was it tier 3 now lockdown stage absolutely right yeah greater manchester tier 3 yeah absolutely yeah um i'm going to guess yes but God, who knows? It changes every day, doesn't it? Yes, we're on to the section of the podcast that I really do love. It's Broadfield Buzz, but maybe we should, in this current climate, be renaming it as something like, I don't know, Twitter, Buzz, Corona, chat. <laughs> Corona Chats. There we go. No, no, we, are, we will not bow down to COVID. I mean, it's absolutely Broadfield Buzz. Um, so anybody new to the show, this is where we talk about things that are happening off the field, but very much club related. Now, for me, Jonathan, there is there is only one possible place that we can start Broadfield Buzz. It's the only um, thing we've spoken about all uh, outside of. It is really, yeah. but and and just just to make a note on what this section is going to encompass. Obviously, it's been four months since our last broadcast, so so much has gone on. But a lot of it we felt was now just like, we're not going to go back and cover news that was three months old or two months old. Everything we're doing is is really within the last three or four weeks. Um, but again, th there is only one place to start, and it is Talk of the Town. Jonathan, um, for those for those that do not know what Talk of the Town is, it is a new um, pre-match show that the club put on live, home or away, hosted by Joe Compa with guests, um, and and adverts and clips and highlights it, it is it is so good i am so impressed by um the quality we, we have hands up jonathan in the past when it comes to a bit of bully and other things the club do in interviews we have ripped the piss out of the quality of some of the sound and the visuals and just the way things are done they have upped their game so far um, I am blown away by it. From from start to finish, it is a great bit of production. 
Joe Comper is an absolutely incredible host. Um, Travel Ken's a great guest. Gary's a great guest. Of course, Erdem's on there as well. Um, everybody involved with it, congratulations, because in terms of, of media output, um, and I am talking on like a, a, a national level now, not just even League Two or League One, but Championship as well. I don't think there are many clubs doing what we now do. We should be so proud um, and grateful for the effort that is going into um, to talk of the town. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think the club have really risen to the current climate and have really adapted in in a positive way. I know you said that we wouldn't rip into them about this. Um, <laughs> Go on. I mean, it's, this is not a rip-in at all. I, I do think there is room for improvement in terms of the technical quality. Go on, of, of how go on. <laughs> just hang on, just a note for everybody. Jonathan works as a technical engineer or something for the BBC. What's, what's your title? Systems engineer. <laughs> Systems engineer for the BBC. All right. We haven't all got billion pound budgets, Jonathan. All right? um, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We've got no income from fans and things. So don't be too hard. For, for once, I, I think I might have a reputation for being a bit too hard. But I'm going to let that going to be, for this show, you're going to be too hard and I'm going to def- <laughs> um, talk of the town. So go, go uh, on. Yes, no, I, I mean, I am saying I'm not ripping into it because I, I am aware of all these external factors and Crawley don't have anywhere near the same budget that any broadcast would have. I mean, they don't have <laughs> much of a, a budget, I suppose, either at all to spend on this, um, let alone compared to a broadcaster. So, yeah, I mean, considering what they've got and the amount of time they've had to put it together, it is incredible. And even though there are some sort of uh, uh, dodgy moments, shall I say, Joe Comper is an outstanding host. He he does not make it feel awkward at all, even though things go wrong. It's like that that is funny and that, that is engaging, even though it's gone wrong. Yeah. Um, even at the end, at the end of episode six, when he said there's only one thing left to say, and he just gave like a massive head run. Come on, you Reds! And it was great. I absolutely love it. He likes it. He's a very, very good natural host. Um, I think I, I really like the videos that they well. had to play as well. Yeah. They cut to. And even the thing, yeah, it, it's all it's like almost seamless, isn't it? The way they throw in adverts and highlight. I know they've got a company behind it, and I'm really sorry, I forgot the name of the company. Is it the filming company they're it called? It is the filming company. They're a local yeah. um, company, I believe. And uh, that's great, using a local company, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, really can't say enough good things. And we mentioned earlier, I did, that... I've got one highlight from uh, Talk of the Town. Have you? Let, let me just say one thing. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, um, that... Um, I was saying earlier about the, the build-up. is It's very hard to get used to the build-up and not literally the moment you get in the car to drive to the game or walk to the game. Um, it, it's it's just not the same. But that makes it a lot, lot better um, and really brings you up to speed on what's going on. There's a couple of silly games in there, which is great. I mean, Jonathan, we tried games in episode one. It didn't go down very well. So um, they've managed to get that right, which is lovely. Yeah, high or low is, pr- is pretty good. Um, and you know what? I, I would I would I would like to think that um we've had a tiny, tiny bit of an impact um on how they've upped their game because until Talk of the Town, um every almost everything that they put out, it wasn't that great. But this, um they they knock us out the park with Talk of the Town. Gotta say that in terms of um sort of like media output. It's great. Yeah, and really interesting insights into little portions of the club. Who knew 
that I would be so interested in brute structure and all the work that goes on into making a great picture. <laughs> Who knew? But it was so, yeah, it, it, yeah, wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Um, and and even beyond that, there was an interview um, two days ago where Joe Comper and Erd, um, Erd and Conyu were walking around the pitch, just talking. It was just like a bit of a brief update, really, on the um, that ridiculous proposal by the top six um, called Project big or whatever it was i don't know um and distributing money amongst the leagues they, they were discussing that in different things and even the production on that it was clearly being done with a um a good camera and a good gimbal and it was a really smooth picture walking around the pitch rather than and we've criticized this before when they do interviews and they're just both of them or not necessarily them but any interview just in like a plain white background and we have said in the past definitely on one of our podcasts or maybe more that why don't you do it walking around the pitch and have a chat whilst you walk around the pitch and my god it makes such a difference it it, it, it again it's just great production and it just it actually when they're doing it that way it makes the in the interview more interesting and it makes keeps me more engaged as well um it does really and although when they got around to nearly their third lap of the pitch i was wondering if joe had to put his pe kit on <laughs> I thought it'd be really nice. Um, I was hoping, hoping that when it came to the thanks, see you later, they like walked either side of the camera away from us. I was hoping for that, but it went out to the side. But that that is um, that is just um, a little bit too picky. But no, um, just to summarise that, congratulations. What the club are doing in terms of social media output, it is the best I've ever seen it. Um, so well done. Yeah, really, really, really good. Um, Right, next, let's have a chat about, um, what's your thoughts on John Yems? Not in a managerial sense, but uh, I'm going to say particularly on uh, post-game analysis. He's quite a fiery character, isn't he? <laughs> he no, he, he really makes me laugh, John Yems does. And in all honesty, I think if I was a football player playing at Crawley, I would want to give my all and give my best for John. Because um, as as much as, you know, I'm sure you've seen the the buzz around on, on Twitter and generally online about his, his recent press encounter against Exeter and how angry he got as to, to Gary's questions, who who is the uh, sort of BBC reporter who covers Crawley. I, you, you can't blame the guy. You really can't. He's, I, you can see the raw passion and, and just true feelings that he's got for Crawley in him. And I love that. I really do. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think he, I think he crossed the line after the Exeter game. Um, but prior to that, before I go into my opinions on that and what came after, um, I I much prefer seeing a John Yems interview after a game than I do a Harry Kewell or a Gabriel Cioffi or a manager saying it's a game of two halves and we go again next week. OK, don't want to see that. I want to see passion. I want to see a man getting angry. And he is absolutely, um, as Crawley sort of through and through as you can kind of hope to get really, he lives locally, um, he's always been local. Um, if you go down the pub, it's as if that is that is the response you'd get whether you had a chat in your local or after a game in front of BBC. And I think that's really important. And although he, he definitely sort of crossed the line against after the Exeter game, and I think, I think um, as we find out afterwards, maybe 
he, he got the context wrong of, of Gary's questions. But I think, let's say in, in three, five, however many years it might be, and we've not got John Yems anymore, and we go back to a manager saying diluted things and giving roundabout answers and politicians' answers and not being too passionate, we will beg to have the likes of those interviews again. So I think we need to enjoy them while we've got them, definitely. Very passionate, very straight, straightforward talking. Like you said, if you're a player in the changing room, I think you're going to be more responsive to somebody that speaks to you like that than you might be otherwise. Um, now, it's interesting because, like you said, Gary, um, who I think did fantastically well in how he carried on with that interview um, with John, because I think younger or more inexperienced reporters, might they might have broken down a little bit and not known where to go. But Gary really kept his call brilliantly, moved on to the next question, accepted that as the answer and cracked on. So well done to Gary for that. Um, but when when he said it was, um, I don't give a monkey's what these people in the stands think. Now, I think initially, and I did absolutely, I took that to meaning encompassing all fans um, and all opinions, not just the Exeter game, but fans in general having an opinion on games. But as we saw the next day, and again, kudos to the club, they jumped on this very quickly. Because um, if you haven't seen the interview yet, you've, you've got to go and watch the Exeter interview and join him afterwards, because it's very, very important for the context of this piece, is that the next day, it blew up on social media, and that, that's not an exaggeration, because the Sport Bible, they put it out on their Twitter account, and when I last looked yesterday, it had 317,000 views. OK, um, thousands of comments, thousands of retweets. Good bit of exposure, McCrawley. Do you know what? It is absolutely. And, and you, you, there's a saying, of course, there's no such thing, thing as bad press. And I think that's absolutely right in this sense, that it's going to actually draw people's eyes towards us a little bit more, which is great. Um, and the next day, after it blew up, the club jumped on it very quickly and they put out, um, they could have easily sort of just put out a statement, which would have been a little bit weak maybe, but what they did, they they then spoke to John again and it, it was not an apology. Um, it was an explanation of why John said the things he did and the context that he thought the questions were being answered in or asked in. Because he didn't realise when he answered the question that um, Gary didn't mean all of us and all the fans that are thinking this um, whenever we lose. It was specifically, I believe, just to the Exeter game and those that Gary had been speaking to in the press box um, and maybe even like um, director's box level as well. But that was just me um, filling in gaps here. But Gary was referring to people that he'd spoken to um, in those areas. And um, I think maybe that's what, that's what John reacted to, but it came across to us and the fans that he was talking about the rest of us, which he's clarified that he wasn't. So no apology. And I don't think he needs to apologise. He's clarified why he said what he did and the context around it. And I think for me, that's good enough because um, I was questioning. Uh, so I'll be honest, when I saw the interview after the Exeter game, I thought, you know, what? I, I really like John. You're a lovely guy. and I, I like it being raw and passionate. But what you've just said, bit of a prick. But after he clarified it the next day, you know what? Well, fair enough, mate. Let's all crack on with it. 
that's a long explanation wasn't it <laughs> yeah no i mean it, it's completely i think embodies uh a lot of people who will be listening to this podcast and how they feel i suppose uh, honestly speaking from my point of view um i i didn't really think about it that that deeply to be honest i had a little chuckle when he got a little angry um yeah yeah and i was just pleased to see that he was genuinely feeling passionate about the game and and rightly so because we'd thrown away a, a, a game where we could have you know won by two or three goals and we'd come away with with nothing in the end and and it was i think the sticking point was which maybe hurt him and he's he's got to take responsibility for it it was it seems that it was a very very poor substitution um to us he then explained of course that um waters wasn't fit enough maybe to do the last 30 minutes or so um, so just explained his reasoning, which he could have done in the initial interview. But I think what the club maybe learned now that if we've lost a game, stick the captain out or another representative. Don't put John in front of camera straight after we've lost a match. Um, he's, a, he's a type of guy that just has to has to cool down. I think the same was the case with um, Steve Evans. Um, he was always very passionate, win or loss. And maybe uh, on several occasions, um, Paul Rayner went out instead of um of steve evans because they didn't want that attention maybe from a, a very very um sharp responses but just move moving on very quickly um news today that uh, on the club website that it's not the first time john's been um fairly vocal in after a match and he was so after the Cheltenham game as well and he's actually been charged by the fa has john yems for a breach of rule E3 um, following the Cheltenham game, uh, which alleges that his comments in the after-match interview uh, constitute improper conduct and that they question the integrity of the match official and or were personally offensive and or bring the game into disrepute. I, I despise that rule. I despise that rule. Why can you not have an opinion on a referee um, and how they've refereed a game? Um, I haven't got a de uh, direct quote from the Cheltenham match um but you're not allowed to say that I thought the referee was rubbish um or made terrible decisions um I think if you question their integrity and they say oh he's clearly got a blue shirt on under that black one then maybe crossing a line but I think that's a that's a really pathetic rule to charge somebody just for having a very strong opinion that's my thoughts on John Yem's interviews <laughs> good we have to release that as a separate podcast there yeah. Um, right. Moving on. Just only got a few things left because again, we're keeping it very, very recent. You mentioned uh, the Sussex Senior Cup, and Crawley have officially renounced their entry into the cup this year. I don't think any. Don't think any tears were shed over that one. Um, just a line from the club website: having been given special dispensation by the Sussex FA to reconsider this season's entry, the club made the decision not to enter the competition based on the increased amount of midweek fixtures in this season's calendar and also considering the implications of um, COVID and the stadium, etc, etc. Very, very wise choice. No argues against that at all. If you look at, I think we've got, is it something like 10 Tuesday night games this year? Something ridiculous, more than ever. Yeah, and if the, you, the season's been really sort more. of packed into a, a smaller portion. Yeah. Yeah, and I know I know you could say you could make a counter argument and say we've got a massive squad of thirty five. We'd easily field a second seventeen for eleven and subs. Um, but why? Why spend the money on the travel and the food 
um, and post and pre-match. You've got to pay people to go places. What's the point? Just, yeah, not, not, not a fuss. Um, two, uh, three, three tiny things now that I only noticed when I was doing a review of the club news section. And just in case you might have missed it, the club have set up a six-a-side league that's going to run on Sunday evenings between 6 and 8 p.m., Fans are invited to register to take part in the league, which is scheduled to start on the 18th of October. Obviously, a few days ago, I've been in plenty of Sunday leagues. You can always start a bit later and just sort of um, concede the first match or so. It's going to be held on the 3G pitch um, located at the rear of Reds Bar. Um, doesn't say whether the Reds is going to be open, but that would be nice. Uh, match fees are £28 per team. So doing math, 6, 18, 23. Or about £3.50 each-ish. Each game's 30 minutes. Um, if you want to get involved, uh, visit crawleytownpitchhire.co.uk or email samgadsden at crawleytownfc.com. Um, so that's a, just these little initiatives that are going to bring a few quid in here and there. I am absolutely all for. Um, I've played in five-a-side leagues in winter um and it's a it's a great idea in november when it gets to december january and um, trying to get a team of five together at last minute is really really difficult because it is sodding freezing but uh, again if it brings money into the club fantastic two other things that are bringing money into the club which are lovely and i i was a skeptic of this when i first saw it a few months ago but now i've seen it i think oh, actually that's quite nice and it is the reds wall so this is where you pay £20 per season and you have your name and message displayed on a red plaque uh, on the West Stand exterior. Um, it's to the left-hand side of the main entrance is the main glass doors. And it's just for you to put your name um, and a short message. And they've done it really nicely. It looks quite nice. There's probably about 30 plaques so far. They're each the size of about, around about sort of two and a half bricks or so. So it's a fairly nice size. Um, and yeah, I think they, I've seen them done really badly in the past. That's why I was a bit sceptical, but um, we've done it really nicely. Um, so 20 quid, um, again, it go, all goes to the club and you get a plaque on the wall just to show your support. Um, and the last one. I, I was it, thinking quickly, Ewan, well, we, we could have yeah. a, a plaque on the wall for uh, the Straight Red podcast to join the, I, the uh, Red Bull. Do you know what? Um, as, I'm now, as I'm now no longer a sceptic, I think we absolutely should, yeah. I think <laughs> 100%. So, um I'm going to make a promise that um, if you've got ten pounds, Jonathan, I, I think I can find ten pounds. Fine, I I can promise. But by the time we do the next podcast, we'll have a plaque on the wall. Is about that all right? So we'll, we'll see the next podcast in six months. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the very last bit on um, a few quid towards the club, the club remembrance poppies, the really nice um, sort of metal um, ones that you get. That you can wear on a four ninety nine, and you can get them on the club shop, or the official Poppy Shop. If you go, write this down, Jonathan. www.poppyshop.org.uk forward slash products forward slash Crawley hyphen Tain hyphen Poppy hyphen Football hyphen Pin hyphen Twenty Twenty. Still going. Just go to the club shop. Just go, just go to the club shop and wear a mask. Seriously, um, that is what I felt was most relevant um, for Broadfield Boats. Without going back, 
Months One other really, really small thing. Um, I'm, oh, I'm sure most people are probably aware of I've it. I've missed anyway. something. George Frankham, I believe, formally taken over captaincy from Bullman yeah. in his appointment to more of a coaching player coach kind of role. Yep, good. Can't argue with that, can you? No, I don't think so. He's you know he's he's been around at the club. He's got experience. Uh, you wouldn't have chosen anyone else as your natural leader, not even Mister Youngie. Do you know what I? Th- I think <laughs> um, I, I would have personally, but. I, I think that is clearly if if anybody is in a doubt as to oh maybe not sure about that, um I don't think these decisions are made lightly and they will be based on obviously what he's like in the dressing room around the players players that look up to him so it, I don't think it's for us to question um the that being a correct decision or not because we don't see as much as um, obviously John Young does so well done to George and um, yeah it's. Do you know what? As a summary of the the Broadfield Buzz, um, the match updates and the fixtures, I I really do feel really positive about everything, d- despite the situation, and uh, obviously not being able to get to games. I really, really feel I want to say congratulations to to Joe and Erdem, um and everybody behind the scenes at the club. Everything they're doing, we need to be really grateful because. I think we're probably doing a lot more than a lot of other clubs are. Um, and if I can throw in at the end here, this should have really been at the start of the show, my goodness. Um, I think we've got to say the biggest thanks of all right now to Zaya Erin, because no doubt whatsoever, the, he, he didn't sign up for this. No football owner signed up for this to have y- your income slashed so heavily but here we are still going, still signing players, um, still paying wages of the staff, still putting this content together, um, thinking of outside the box ideas to bring money into the club. But he is still the guy that is backing it and funding it. Um, and and as, as a podcast, and I, I strongly believe I, I speak on behalf of all Crawley Town fans, it is just eternal gratitude at the moment for what you're doing and, and, the money you're putting in because um, it, it's unlikely we, we know almost factually that over the next few months clubs are going to fold and disappear um, and we're, we're just so grateful to have our owner owner like Zaya that is um, continually um, backing us at the moment so a, a massive massive thank you yeah very well said I couldn't say it any better myself thanks Jonathan Well, it's the last section of the podcast. It's added time. It's that point where we uh, talk about things that don't really fit into any other section of the podcast. And, well, we usually start off by talking about GH uh, coaches and their away travel. But something tells me, Ewan, that we probably won't be speaking about them much uh, this podcast. Do you know what? Not this one, but I've got my absolute fingers crossed. <laughs> Pardon me. That we um, that we we will be talking about them as as soon as humanly possible, because um, they do such a great job, and we we like sort of um, pushing the away travel. But for now, um, one I've got three tiny things, and they're really conversation points for a future podcast, maybe even a poll or so. But first of all, um, something that's close to my heart in a sponsorship sense. There was an announcement on the club website. It's, it's really easy to miss this because I know people don't take too much notice. They're more interested in the football side of things. But KRL, 
which is um, a major sponsor of the club. They've extended their sponsorship and Nick Hill, and um, who, who is a co-owner of KRL, when he initially started sponsoring the club in 2012, we, we've become really, really close friends. Um, we've been to each other's weddings um, and, and he's a very, very important guy to me. So I was really, really pleased to see KRL continuing their sponsorship. Um, and I know Joe's looking after them absolutely fantastically. Um, so it's one of those things that I think it's easy when you go to the stadium game after game and year after year, just to see the same hoardings, the same hoardings. And it's, it's exactly the same actually with innovation, fire and security. Um, I think quite often we actually need to actually just reach out and say thank you to these people because they are putting money in year after year after year. Whether they get anything back from it is really, really hard to determine um, because I know for a fact that Nick really just does it for his love of the club. He doesn't expect to get any financial return on that sponsorship whatsoever. Um, and I mean, they've been with the club, seen some amazing things, including like Pesos winner against Norwich last season um, and the, the Wolves win. I've got some lovely pictures that I used to send to him after wins, um, especially when we beat Wolves. And I had the picture of the scoreboard and the KRL stand. So I, ju I just I would love to see um, some just a little bit of reach out from fans to these guys um, to just say a little thank you, because it, it, it's so hard to overlook these sponsors that put money in year after year after year. Um, so that was one that I wanted to just touch upon. And the next two, um, before this podcast, I put a message out on Twitter just saying, is there anything you want us to talk about? And there's two things that have just come through after we've done Broadfield Buzz, and they're both in a tweet from Phil Brogio, and they're both really good points. And the first one is I follow. Now, currently, of course, we know it's £10 per game. Um, if you're a season ticket older, you get the home games for free. But what we don't know at the moment is what happens once we're allowed back into stadiums. Um, and I think it's a really interesting point. It might be a talking point in full for the next podcast. But the question is, Jonathan, if you then had the chance as a fan, if you could pay, say, 20 quid to go and watch the game live in person, or it's cold and wet and you could pay £10 to watch it at home, knowing that that's half of what the money the club are going to get, what are you going to do? I'm not putting on, on the spot, but it's, it's an interesting question. And one, we might all have to answer soon if you've got the option of watching I follow and go into the game regularly. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Are you on to my response now? or are you? Yeah, go on. <laughs> no, go, go on. Well, I suppose it depends whether you're financially orientated or not. I suppose for me personally, I would prefer to go to the ground because like we've already discussed earlier on in the podcast, it's so much harder to really connect online with the with the match day experience i mean crawley are doing great things to in increase that but um yeah I, I would prefer to pay the extra tenner and just go go to the ground and you're a five minute walk from the stadium which helps isn't it? yeah that does help indeed and like i think 20 minute drive. I, th I think you're right it is it's first of all there's so many variables and, and finances absolutely come into it especially even when this all ends but people are still going to be a lot of people massively out of pocket and, and looking for work. So you can't judge anybody on their decision. But I think it's an interesting one if it will continue as it is anyway. Much like Talk of the Town. Now, people have got jobs to do, including Joe on a match day. I know he, used to, he does what I used to do. When I'm on a match day, you are entertaining 
um, the sponsors and guests in the exec lounge, um, among other things. And obviously it doesn't have to do that at the moment. So we can host a pre-match show. But after COVID ends, I really, really hope that it continues in some way. Um, maybe they'll need new hosts. I, I, I don't think that could be us because I think we need to be a bit stay impartial if we were anyway <laughs> employed on the payroll or not to do interviews or, or host it. I think that would um, take away what we do here. So um, I'm not putting our name forward, but I hope they can find um, a new host. Maybe maybe Travel Kennel be the, the prime time host of it. Who knows? But I, I would I would love to see that continue um, in some way. I hope they've hope they've got plans. For that. I mean, I'll, I'll try and speak to Erdem or Joe and um, actually ask the question. Yeah, and and one quick thing for me actually that I've thought up during added time, Fan Hub. I, I don't know if you remember this, Ewan. Um, I don't know oh, if yeah, well. the, uh, the fans remember it, but we did mention it, I think, in our last podcast. It's basically a, an app that's been created to help um, curate um, some sort of uh, fan content for fans of, of you know of of league clubs where maybe it's a little bit hard to find good content for your football team um so yeah this app is is in the last few stages of launching and um, we'll post some information on our, on our twitter page because that's probably the easiest way to find it but generally if you just sort of uh, google them search them up on twitter you'll, you'll find more information as well there but yeah they're in the final stages of creating this app so really just an encouragement to get on board and, and download that app when you can because I, I really think it's going to be a, a great app for us as a club in League Two and um, as a podcast we uh, are really excited to see other content creators that are kind of at our level doing the thing that we're doing as well. Yeah absolutely and um, so I think that is enough to wrap up episode 25 and um, a quarter of a century of official episodes um, do you think we'll get to 100 one day? <laughs> I thought you were going to say, I hope we get to 50, 100. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I a final thank you um, for people that just sort of continue to listen. We wouldn't probably do it if people didn't listen. We know you enjoy it. So we're really grateful for all the feedback. Um, and on that topic, any feedback whatsoever, anything you want to see included. For the last sort of 15 episodes or so, we, we've kept the, the theme pretty much the same because we know it's kind of working. But... If you think anything, I'll take that out or this would be nice to put in. Just throw ideas at you because this, as we always say, it's really your podcast. We make it for, for the people that listen. Um, so we want you to be able to sculpt it. And just thanks in advance for anybody that's um, got this far in the episode and can hear our thank you. <laughs> yeah, you really do deserve the big thank you if you've got this far. This has been episode 25 then of the Straight Red podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I really hope that the audio has been decent quality for you this time with us recording remotely. And um, hopefully it'll not be too long until the next time. From uh, myself and you and though, goodbye. Bye-bye.